Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. What's up? Hey, listen, I, I'm excited to, to communicate today. This is a message. Uh, I realized talking to some people between services, it's a message that's been on my heart since almost Christmas. I was driving home from, uh, from New Jersey where I grew up. Come on, Jersey. Ooh, Tommy, come on. All right, there we go. I was driving home from Jersey, and uh, I just started thinking about this idea, and God planted a a message in my heart, and I said, awesome, I can't wait to communicate that. I'm pretty excited about it, um, because it it looks at how Jesus chose to communicate to his disciples, and we're in a series called Disciple Makers, and this has been a a pretty great series, right? That's about the response I expected, because, because Disciple Makers has been a really, really challenging series, hasn't it? That's, that's an easier one to agree with, I think, because moving from, like, just the idea of, I love Jesus, isn't he great? I love this church. It makes me feel good, to something deep is expected of me, and I am required to, uh, to follow Jesus more and more and more and more, and that never stops, that more and more and more and more. It's like pie, the number keeps repeating. Like, it, we always are expected to give him more of ourselves And the more we give to him, the more we realize we have to give to him, and the more we want to give to him. And that's what what it's like being a disciple. The deeper you get into who he is, the more you want to be like him and give more to him, and it's it's just a a never-ending circle. And this series has been really about challenging that. Um, Candice identified in one of her messages the five steps of following, you know, where you start out as an unbeliever, and then you become a believer, and then then you move into becoming a disciple. And then from disciple, you become a servant leader, someone who is a disciple serving other disciples. And then you become a disciple maker or a reproducer, someone who is so infected by Jesus that they can't help but bring Jesus into the world they're in. And we as a church, we as a country, we as a a world need some disciple makers because this world needs more Jesus, right? And if, if we're not bringing it, who will? We're a church that wants to change the world with the message of the gospel, and we need disciple makers to do that. And this series is all about equipping you, engaging you, encouraging you in the ways in which you can become a disciple maker. That's what the Disciple Maker Challenge is about. It's on the FB app, little plug there. You can check it out. Um, If you get distracted at any point in my message, distract yourself well. Download the FB Church app. Check out the Disciple Makers Challenge. Like, I'm sure the words Candace wrote there will be great, and you'll get a lot out of them. Because here's the thing that we're going to study today. Jesus is always speaking, and he often spoke in stories. And I'm going to be talking a lot about the power of stories today. Um, I, I spent all week reading the parables of Jesus, studying them, looking for patterns in them, determining if the pattern that I'm going to talk about today is, is true and viable, and you can see it, and, and I found it is. And I found his words to be transforming, and I learned so much that I either knew already and forgot or learned for the first time, because every time you go to God's word, you can bring out something new. Um, and the power of parables and the power of story is transformative. And Jesus chose to speak in stories. So I wanted to start things out fun today with a little story that I grew up with. Maybe, maybe you heard it in kindergarten. We've got some kindergarten teachers last service, and I, I, I said, you don't really need kindergarten. And they got like, and they were like attacking me. And so I'm not going to do that because we need our kindergarten teachers. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Always support the people who will come after you. 
So, so we're going to do some story time. All right, you ready? Let's hear it. This is, and maybe you've heard it before, but stick with us, The Grasshopper and the Ant. In a field one summer's day, a grasshopper was hopping about, chirping and singing its heart's content. A group of ants walked by, grunting as they struggled to carry plump, ripe kernels of corn. Where are you going? That's the grasshopper's voice. I love doing voices. Where are you going with those heavy things? Asked the grasshopper. Without stopping, the first ant replied, To our ant hill. This is the third kernel that I've delivered today. Why not come and sing with me? Teased the grasshopper. Instead of working so hard, We are helping store food for winter, said the ant, and we think you should do the same. Winter is far away, and it's a glorious day to play, sang the grasshopper. But the ants went back on their way and continued their hard work. The weather soon turned cold. All the food lying in the field was covered with a thick white blanket of snow, so deep that even the strong grasshopper could not dig through it. Soon, the grasshopper found itself dying of hunger. He staggered to the ants' hill and saw them handing out corn from the stores that they had collected in the summer. He begged them for something to eat. What? cried the ants in surprise. Haven't you stored anything away for the winter? What in the world were you doing all last summer? I didn't have any time to store any food, complained the grasshopper. I was so busy playing music that before I knew it, summer was gone. The ants shook their heads in disgust and turned their backs on the grasshopper and went on their way to their work. Anybody here heard that story before? The, the ant and the grasshopper, my kindergarten teachers and, and raising their hands. The ant and the grasshopper is an idea that goes back centuries, millennia. You can trace this story back uh, farther than Aesop, farther than, I don't know, any other old mother goose. Like, it's actually in the Bible. And I memorized this in 2008. I was in a particularly hard year where I knew I would have to work a great deal. And there's a, a verse in the book of Proverbs that says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. I love that word. Sluggard. You ever call anyone a sluggard? You should. It's, it's nice. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no ruler or overseer, yet it stores up its food at harvest and collects grain. Uh, I think I flipped it. Stores up its food for winter and collects grain at harvest. That verse, I memorized it and got it in my heart because I wanted a season where I was working diligently to prepare myself for the future that was ahead. And, and that story is a parable. You see, Jesus spoke in parables. A parable is a, is a fancy church word for a story with a meaning. It's like a fable, like you can draw a moral from it. But, but these parables are quick little ideas that you can easily internalize, memorize, and understand. But for millennia, you could study and draw new truths from them. And Jesus spoke a lot in parables. The, the, the Bible actually describes that, that he spoke always in parables. There was a little hyperbole there. He, one third of all of Jesus' communication was stories. One third of all his communication was parables. Like that means if we took out all of the stories because that stuff's for kids from Jesus' communication, we would lose a third of everything he wanted to tell us. That's a lot. That's a big chunk of the way he chose to communicate to his disciples, to unbelievers, to everyone. And because it's, he knew the power of story. He knew that, that people would remember it, repeat it, learn from it, 
and move with it. And we're going to study one particular story and actually a couple other little stories today. And you might be very familiar with the stories we're going to read, the parables we're going to study. We actually covered one of them recently here at church, just, just like a, a couple months ago, we, we studied this parable. Um, but my point this morning is not the point of the parable. You can learn a lot from this story, and it's very powerful, and you should definitely draw the truths that are in it. My point is actually going to be the way in which Jesus uses the parable. I want to learn from the way that he chose to communicate to his disciples, because hopefully you're becoming a disciple of him. Let's learn how he chooses to talk to us. You ready? Let's do it. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Once again, Jesus began to speak, began teaching by a lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. He knew the power of story, and he begins to speak. Here's one thing that we can learn about this very short passage. Jesus is speaking. He speaks. He speaks. You know what? He still speaks today. He's been speaking to you since you woke up this morning. Thank God you listened and you came to church. Like every morning I hear two voices. One is, just roll over and fall back to sleep. And that is a beautiful, beautiful voice. But then there's another voice saying, get up. There's work to do. And that's the voice that I, I need to listen to more often. See, Jesus, he is speaking. And when he speaks, he often speaks in parables. He told all kinds of parables, all kinds of stories. Uh, I'm going to read through a few lists of them. Maybe they'll spark memories of some of the, the stories you've read. He told stories about all kinds of things, stories about seeds. He told stories about a mustard seed, you know, tiny seed grows into a big plant. He told stories about spreading seeds. We're actually going to study those two stories, so I'm going to move on. He told stories about how seeds can grow. He talked about how plant a seed and make it grow. You can't, but God can. Like, he, he talked about fields. He said that there's fields ready for harvest. He talked about uh, fields that contain treasure, that a man found a small treasure in a field, and then he went out, bought the field because he wanted his life to be forever changed. He saw the value of the treasure. He told stories about lost things. He told stories about found things. He told a parable about the lost coin and how someone rejoiced when they found it. A parable of the lost sheep and how he would leave everything to go get that one. He told parables about lost sons and how sons can run away and how much you rejoice when they come back. And he told stories about people, all kinds of people. There's the corrupt judge who, who judged unfairly. There's the good Samaritan who did good despite being someone else. He told stories about the two debtors the people who owed money and, and how they handled it. He told stories about the ten virgins waiting for their groom. He told stories about the rich fool and how he wasted his money. He talked about the faithful servants and how they used their money. He told stories about everything because he knew the power of story. And he wanted to speak in any way that someone would listen. If you came here today and you did not start listening to Jesus until I picked up the microphone, you have already missed many things he was trying to tell you. He speaks. He speaks. He is speaking right now words I am not saying to your heart. He speaks when you walk in the door and someone shakes your hand with a smile. The greeting team, if you're on it, you're heroes. We need you and we need more of you because people need to know that they are loved the minute they step foot on church property. Maybe even beforehand. You know what? We need people out at the side of the street just waving at cars. 
reminding them it's Sunday morning and they are welcome because he's speaking. He's speaking. He speaks through the music. You guys are blessed and highly favored here at Freedom Valley Church with some amazing worship. Come on, somebody. You don't, you don't even know. If this is the only church you've been to, you are lucky. There are some amazing worship sets in the world. But this one, they're amazing. But I know this team. And if they say, like, like that you only came for the music, they'd say you missed out on the message. And not my message, the message Jesus had for you. The, the message that happens when, when Tommy takes a second and he says, listen to what God's speaking over you. The, the message that's communicated through the set, the message that's communicated through their hours of preparation because he is worth it. He is speaking. And this is the story he chose to speak. Verse 3. Listen. I love those exclamation parts, points. Let me, let me say it again. Listen. I love doing that. A farmer went out to plant some seed. He scattered it across the field. Some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon withered under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. And they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Why does he end this story with that phrase? Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. You think he was talking to a lot of people without ears? I don't. I think most of the audience had ears, but he says it because when he speaks, we listen. The message actually has verse 9 this way. It says, are you listening? Really listening? Jesus is identifying that I've just told you a story. Did you catch it? Did you, did you get what I meant? Did you just hear a story about some seed growing and you checked out for a second because story time, you know? Or are you really listening? He's speaking all the time. He's speaking through stories. You know, since the very creation, God has been sculpting a story, a narrative, and it is bookended, and the end is written. He wins. History is just his story. God is speaking through all creation. Are you listening? Do you see him in it? He is speaking. He is speaking through you. His story is written on your life. Are you listening to it? Do you look back at all the hard points and, and then look towards the future of the victory? Do you see how he is writing his story? You're his pen, and he is writing a story in this life. But you have to be listening to what he is saying. This requires effort. Here, here, I found a story this week about the difference between hearing and listening. And maybe you've heard it before, but, but bear with me. I just I want to tell it to you, okay? Two rednecks were walking through the woods on a hunting trip. One falls down and stops breathing, and his buddy gets really nervous, takes his phone and calls 911. He says, he says help, help, my buddy Bubba, he just fell over. I think he's dead. 911 officer calms him down. It's okay, it's okay, sir. First things first, let's, let's make sure he's dead. There's a pause on the phone, and the 911 operator hears, 
All right, now what? If you didn't catch that, he shot his friend to make sure he was dead. Just had to make sure. You see, he wasn't listening. He heard her, but he wasn't listening. He's speaking to us. Are you just hearing the words, or are you listening? Listening is active. Listening is, is the, the leaning in, because you got to know. Listening is taking notes. Listening is determining the truth. Our church, our world does not need any more deaf disciples. We need listeners, learners, people who are living a life that is transformed by listening to their Savior. He is speaking. Are we listening? Are you listening? You cannot be a disciple maker if you are deaf to what he is saying because then you're just replicating yourself. And I know the world does not need any more of me. It needs a whole lot more of him. And if I'm not listening to him, I'm not recreating disciples. I don't want my kids to turn out just like me. I want them to turn out just like Jesus. So I need to listen. We need to listen. It's active. It, it requires effort. And if we take the time to listen to what he is saying throughout our lives, throughout the story he's writing we can learn. But when we're listening, something happens. And, and this is why a lot of people stop right at the listening step. I, okay, I listened and I know, but I'm not sure. Because listening sparks questions. Let's read verse 10. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parable meant. He speaks, we listen, and then we ask. He speaks, we listen, and then something happens. If, if you're truly listening to the words of Jesus, they will spark questions in your heart. Have you questioned lately? Have you had a question that you had to bring to God lately? What do, what do you mean? What are you saying? What's next? I need to know, and, and I just got to ask, or, or have you gone to another believer and say, you know what, I, I just read this, and, and I, I'm not sure what he's saying here. Can you help me? We got to be willing to ask, but asking puts us in a position. You think it was easy for the disciples to go to their, their, their master and say, hey, you know that really easy story that you told to the common people? We don't understand it. Can you explain it? That was probably embarrassing. As a matter of fact, this is how he replied to them. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they would turn to me and be forgiven. You see, he told these stories for the individuals who were seeking the truth, the ones who were willing to ask the tough questions. When he tells a parable, you can go, okay, I think I got that and move on. Or you can say, is that really it? This is the difference between told knowledge and learned knowledge. Lessons that we learn the hard way, we remember the hard way. 
So when he prompts them with parables, he's presenting the power of learning a lesson rather than being told the truth. If you come to a conclusion on your own, you're more likely to hold on to that conclusion. So when he's priming his disciples with these parables, he's setting up for them the opportunity for them to listen carefully, lean in, and then say, wait, what does that mean? Because they've wrestled with it. Too many people want to be just spoon-fed the simple truth. Tell me what to do, I'll do it, and I'll move on. No. Then, then we've created a, an army of religious, like, drones. Jesus doesn't want that. He wants a church transformed by disciple makers who own it, who ask it, who move forward learning and listening to him so that they can lead others in it. And these questions, these questions are tough sometimes. They can be like, God, why would you allow these bad things to happen? God, why would you let some people walk away? God, why won't you just fix my problem? God, I need to know. And these questions can be tough. Or they can be simple, but we need to ask them because when we ask them, we open ourselves up for what happens next. The disciples ask, and in verse 13, then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how would you understand all the other parables? And he explains, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. So that's simple. We plant seed by taking word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. First kind of seed. Someone who hears the message, but it is robbed immediately. It doesn't even take root in their hearts because Satan has stolen it. Verse 16. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately after receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The second type of seed is like someone who attends maybe, maybe a salvation event and they hear the gospel presented in a beautiful, compelling, life-changing, altering way, and they respond, but it stops there. You know, we've instituted something at FB Church called the I'm In Table. This is to help get some roots. Because if you respond and leave it there, your roots are shallow, and you can be torn up easily. But if you'll get in, you can have deep roots. That's the second type of seed he talks about. Third seed, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. This, this third type of seed, this is the seed that wants to remain exactly how they were before Jesus and expect to still produce fruit. It's choked out by the worries of this life. We have to be different. Grain is not a weed. It doesn't, it's not a thorn. It produces, therefore it must be different. That's the third type of seed. And then there's the fourth type of seed. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. These are the disciple makers. These are the individuals who've been planted in proper tended soil, roots gone down deep, watered by asking the questions, and then they reproduce. When we talked about this, we identified that there are unbelievers, believers, 
disciples, servant leaders, individuals who serve God in the church, and reproducers, disciple makers. These are the seeds that Jesus is identifying, and we can learn that lesson. But also we can learn that when his disciples asked him, he explained it. He speaks, we listen. We ask, he explains. That is the pattern of parables. As I studied all the parables of Jesus this week, I saw that pattern. It does not happen in every parable. So if you go back and you just read a few, you're like, I don't see it. But it happens in many of them. Therefore, a predictive pattern. That he would teach a parable. And then later, people would go back to their house and they would ask a question. And then it would be explained. And I believe those with access to Jesus who asked those questions saw the greatest yield of growth. Guess what? We all now have access to Jesus. Equal access to him. You can go back to your house, invite the Holy Spirit into the room, sit with your Bible, study, and he can explain it to you. And if he doesn't, he'll explain it another way if you will pursue those answers. If you'll seek the truth, you will find it. It's another thing he says. Those who seek, find. Those who ask, the door will be opened to them. Listen, ask, he'll explain it. And he did explain it. He, he explained it clearly for them. He went back and went over all of it. I believe those who didn't have access to Jesus, they were going back to their house, and if they, they got it in, if they were seeking it, they sat around and they talked to one another and they went, what do you think he meant? Well, here's what I think he meant. Oh, you know what? That's better than what I thought, but I think this part means that, and they're talking, and it's being explained among one another, and they're getting deeper because they're not leaving it by the boat. They're taking it back to their house. They're listening. They're active. And that's how they're becoming disciple makers who in a few years would transform the entire ancient world and our lives today by being transformed by the words of Jesus when he spoke. There's a couple more parables in this chapter that I want to look at to help show you the predictive pattern that, that is there for most of the steps in the next few passages. So we're going to go to the parable of the lamp. This isn't like Aladdin, that lamp. It's a different lamp. Don't get confused. Verse 21. If any of you were confused, I'm sorry, I, but... It's not that story. All right, no Will Smith in this one. Verse 21, no more distractions. Then Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bread? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand and it's for its light to shine. There he speaks. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought open and every secret will be brought to the light. He's explaining a little bit. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. He's explaining the importance of listening. And then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more you will understand. The more understanding will be given to you, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, and this is scary, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. If you've been going to church for some time, you may have heard this complaint from people, or maybe yourself. I just don't feel like I'm receiving anything anymore. I've, I've only been a minister about five years professionally, and I have heard that complaint more times than I would like to admit. I just don't feel like I'm learning like I used to or hearing like I used to. It's just not the same as it was. The, the teaching's not deep enough or I'm not getting what I need and I'm just feeling like I'm, I'm, not, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to go somewhere else because maybe there I can hear 
you can go there, but if you're only trying to hear, you're going to miss out. You need to listen. Unless you are actively listening, Jesus makes it clear. What little you have will be taken from you. That should scare a disciple. If I am not leaning in, listening, asking questions, what little I have will be taken from me. If I pursue him actively, even more will be given to me. But if at any point I say, I'm good, got enough, that's fine, what little I have will be taken from me. These are the words of Jesus explaining, not mine. He's saying, lean in, listen, actively ask, and I will explain even more. You know the parable of the lamp I'm seeing in a, in a new light here a little bit? Imagine a candle, a small amount of light. Imagine it being placed under a bushel. How long is that going to do what it's supposed to do? It's going to burn out. And he's saying, if you don't lean into me, you will have no value and you will burn out. Listen. And when he's speaking and you're listening, you can ask whatever. He will explain it. You'll find your answers. Let's look at the next parable. This is one I mentioned in my list ahead. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use? He likes stories like me. What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. That's him speaking. They listened. And in verse 33, he explains, Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. Always speaking so people could listen, and then he'd explain. But afterwards, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. The rest of this message, I want to talk about the afterwards. The afterwards. Jesus is speaking. We listen. We ask. He explains. When does that happen? In the afterwards. What do you do after a Sunday morning service? What do you do after the day that you're set aside in your week, or maybe Saturday night, or maybe online on Monday because you can't get, when, what do you do with the afterwards? Are you going back over your notes? Are you taking notes? Are you using the FV Church app's notes page? Another plug there, check out the app. Are you, are you taking active steps? What are you doing in the afterwards? We do these challenges on the, the app, the Disciple Makers Challenge. Are you doing something with your faith? Are you reading a, a book? Are you in the Bible? Do you have a reading plan? Are you listening actively or are you passively hearing? Because passivity will lead you to having what little was left taken away. And that is scary. And I don't want that. It's been a tough week. I don't want that for anyone. To have their faith rocked, taken to leave because of passivity. He has good in store for us. He has a good plan for us. And he gives us good gifts. What are we doing with them in the afterwards? Here at Freedom Valley Church, the past uh, year, we've been focused on the afterwards. Actually, for a while, we've been focused on the afterwards. What are you doing in the afterwards? 
We have something called home groups. Home groups are all about the afterwards. It's so that individuals in this church all around this county can meet throughout the week and talk about the message from the weekend. It's people who said, I will invite individuals into my home, we'll sit around, have a meal, we'll talk about this week's message, and we'll go deeper to make sure that we're listening. Home groups are pretty standard. Pretty much all of them operate the same. We meet um, one evening throughout the week. We, we uh, have a meal, maybe chips, dips, soda, maybe something more elaborate. Uh, our, ours had a authentic shepherd's pie with like lamb and beef and last week it was really good um we also have desserts there was a, a homemade cheesecake at our home home group last week it was pretty amazing i was i was very stuffed as we then went into the word we watch a quick video that reminds us about the message we talk about the sermon notes that we went to in the app that have little homework cues for us to do before we arrive at home groups we talk about what we're doing with that message we ask each other questions prompt each other, what did you think about when Jason told the story of the redneck shooting the other redneck? That was weird. And then we talk about that, or we talk about deeper things too, like, like, am I really a disciple? And we identify going around the room, like, am I a disciple? It, it starts simple, and it moves deep, and we all have an opportunity, and then we pray for one another, actually. It's not like we stand around the room like, like hands lifted in the air for 20 minutes screaming out prayers. No, it's more like, hey, what's going on in your life? That, that's deep. We should pray for that. Let's just pray real quick. And then we pray for one another. And we lift each other's needs up to God. And we, we go deep in relationship. And we get to know one another intimately in that way that you can only do in the afterwards. Home groups. Home groups. Home groups. If you're not in one, find one. It, it's... It's our passion and goal that 100% of our attendance is connected to a home group. And you know why I don't think we'll ever meet that number? The more people in home groups, the more people are going to be in these seats. And if we hit 100% of the people in this room in home groups, we would have to start another service. Because everyone here would be reproducing who they are. And individuals would say, Adams County is changing. i got to figure out why. My, my town of York is no longer the same. I, I can't even walk around New Oxford without feeling like something's calling me to church because people will be meeting in their home groups, praying for their neighbors, praying for one another, praying in what God is explaining to them. Home groups will change your life. At the end of, we, we do 10-week semesters. So we do 10 weeks on, two weeks off, 10 weeks on, two weeks off. And uh, most home groups take the summer off due to, travel and vacation, a couple are like, well, we're, we have more free time in the summer because, like, their teachers are something weird like that. Another dig at the teachers there. So, so some groups stay on. Some groups take the summer off. But, but in the, the 10 weeks on, at the very end, we do a survey. And at my group, we wa- went around the circle and asked everyone, you know, what did you learn the most this semester? And almost universally, the, the answer was, I just I feel like I've got a family that I can come to with my needs, that I can talk to with my problems, that we can go deeper together and we grow. I might not be where I want to be, but I'm going where I want to go. That's the afterwards. He is speaking. Are you listening? If you're listening, have you asked the questions? Because if you ask, he will answer. And when he explains it, you now know what to do, where to go to become a reproducer. This Disciple Maker series has been tough. 
I, I can identify that. If, if you started to come to Freedom Valley in the first week of this series, you're going to have deep roots. Because it's supposed to be challenging. Just like the story I told at the beginning. The grasshopper and the ant. What kind of faith do you have? You know, our, our music here at Freedom Valley is fun to, to worship to and to engage in and, and to listen to. And, and we do fun things here at Freedom Valley because church should be enjoyed, not just endured. But, but if you're only coming for the fun, you're like the grasshopper. Who, When hard times come, when winter comes, will you have the stores that you need to survive? Or will you be looking to the ants of faith saying, how can you do this? Your life is falling down around you, but you still worship. Are you a grasshopper? Here for the fun, but not for the afterward? Or are you an ant who comes, puts in the hours, leans in and listens, does the, the homework after? No one likes homework. Man, teachers, right? Or are you doing it? Going deep, getting the word in so that your life can be forever changed. Becoming a follower of Jesus is very easy. He designed it that way. If any of you believe in me, confess with your heart that I am Lord. Repent of your sins and you will be saved. It's, it's that simple. But following him afterwards, in the afterwards, is hard. It requires deep roots, active listening, intentional learning, asking tough questions of yourself, of others, of our God, so that he can explain it and we can live a new life. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I-N-N. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. Welcome to App Groups, where we apply the message we heard this week at Freedom Valley Church. Jason preached this weekend, and he talked about the importance of small groups. We actually see this modeled throughout the Gospels. After Jesus calls his disciples, we see these huge crowds of people following Jesus around, and, and Jesus teaching these amazingly deep but, but very broad spiritual truths to them. And then afterward, he pulls the disciples aside, or they pull him aside, or they're arguing about it, and Jesus overhears. There's so many examples of this, and the disciples are, are trying to figure out what Jesus is saying, the deeper spiritual truths behind what he's teaching. And Jesus, in those small group environments, explains it. I mean, he gives them more truth in those moments than he gives to the crowds. He gives them plain truth. He explains it in detail. And it's things that they would never have otherwise. And so we know that small groups are important from the uh, example of the disciples and of Jesus. Small groups are so vital to becoming a disciple maker. 
And so if you're here, if you're watching this, you are part of a home group already. This is your chance, your environment for getting to know that deeper spiritual truth. And this is actually the last week of our winter semester of home groups. So I'd like for you all to look back over the semester, over your experience with this home group and really evaluate what you've gotten out of it. Have you poured into people? Do you feel like like they've given in to you? Have you developed deeper relationships? Have you gotten revelations from your life or, or applications for your life from those conversations? You know, we hope that you have developed in four specific areas. First of all, have you developed in your relationship with God? Do you feel like you have grown deeper in your relationship with God? Secondly, have you developed it in your relationship with others? Have you gotten better at loving the people around you, relating to the people around you? Thirdly, have you grown in your ability to handle your finances, your blessings in your life, the resources that are in your life. We call this stewardship. Have you become a better steward in your life? And number four, have you grown in your influence with outsiders? Have you seen someone you know come to know Jesus because of your testimony? Have you invited someone to church with you? Those kinds of things. Are you growing in those four ways? And are you seeing home groups help with that. And if not, you know, we're going to take the next two to three weeks off. We're going to take a break from home groups for just a couple of weeks, and we're going to come back for another semester. So you can have another chance to take this seriously, to apply this in your life and to pour in to the group around you. So I hope that you do. I hope that you take this serious. Um, I hope that you commit yourself to being there every single time your home group leaders doors are open. I hope that you are there, that you show up, that you take this commitment seriously and that you've learned a lot this semester. So have a great discussion tonight and we'll see you all next semester.